morning. So the summer um, before my senior year in high school, um, I started working a construction job. Um, and I, I felt like I was pretty good at that, um, good at working with my hands. And um, my boss uh, kept on insisting that I probably needed a tape measure with the little fractions written on it. Because I, you know, I was just learning to read a tape measure, um, but but I felt like you know I could I could do this I could do this as a as a job as a career. Um, later that year, that summer, um, my boss pulls me aside um, and said, "You know, Sam, I I don't know if you're cut out for this kind of work." Um, he's, he said, you, you are too nitpicky about the details, um, and you take too much time to do things. And so that kind of left me, um, feeling like I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what my job is going to be. Um, I wasn't a great student. I wasn't good in school. Um, I, that's actually an understatement. Um, I went into my senior year considering not going back to school, um, because I had such a low GPA, like the beginning of my senior year, I would not have been able to graduate if I had, if you were to draw a trajectory line between freshman year to senior year and make it a straight line, I would not have been able to graduate. Um, I, I, I hated school. Um, I didn't feel like I belonged there. I didn't want to go to extracurricular activities. I, I hated homework with a passion. Um, I, I didn't like it. I ended up going back for my senior year and if it weren't for my senior year, I wouldn't have graduated. And even at that, I graduated high school with a 1.6 GPA. Did you hear that? That's a real number. <laughs> 1.6 GPA. Um, that's terrible. Um, I tell people that now, and they're like, no, that's not possible. Um, but it was. Um, it, it, it is possible to graduate uh, with a 1.6 GPA, and it would have been lower, but I was able to take shop my senior year, um, which I loved, and got an A in. So fast forward, I spent the next couple of years doing construction and carpentry, and because that's, you know, I felt like that's the kind of job that somebody with a 1.6 GPA did you know, hangs drywall and um, puts insulation in people's crawl spaces. That's the kind of job people with 1.6 GPAs could get. That's what I thought. Um, eventually, I felt like, I felt like God was tugging at my heart to advance what I was supposed to do for him. I had been doing youth ministry for a couple of years at that point. 
I wanted to, it, I wanted to grow. And so I talked, um, my pastor and my grandma into, uh, pooling their funds and buying me correspondence courses. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Correspondence courses are basically homework that you pay for. <laughs> um, you spend money, they send you homework, and you do it at home. And I guess at this point in my life, I, I didn't, I still, I still wasn't, I wasn't there yet. I, I never finished those correspondence courses. Should probably pay my grandma back. Um, later on, I eventually felt like I was supposed to go to college, which is, which feels like a terrible idea. Feels like a, a terrible thing to jump into as somebody who, who couldn't do correspondence courses, couldn't cut it in high school, but I, I felt like I was what I was supposed to do. And I remember sitting in class the first day of class at CBC in Springfield, Missouri. And I remember feeling like I don't belong here. I, I'm a 24 year old who literally doesn't know how to type sitting in a class and I have, looking at the syllabus, I have lots and lots and lots of papers to turn in for these classes, lots of books to read, and guess what? Lots of homework. Now, I, I don't know if it was something that the Holy Spirit had begun to do in my life, or if, if it was uh, just determination, or if it was a different season because of the fact that I had two little kids, um, but something changed. And it wasn't that I felt like I belonged there because I was a married student and I was older than everybody else. So I didn't ever feel like I belonged there. The, the single girls at the school made it for sure, made for sure that I didn't feel like I belonged by pretty regularly calling me married guy. They didn't appreciate it when I called them lonely girls, so I don't, <laughs> they didn't appreciate that. I have a name. My name is Sam. Um, but something changed. And by the end of my time at CBC, I was able to graduate from college in three and a half years, four-year degree with a 3.5 GPA. And, and... And not only that, I, I, I worked full-time all but my last year. I, I had two kids and my third while we were there. But here's the thing. Like, even accomplishing that, 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 that feels like a big accomplishment. But even with that, like, I didn't ever feel like I belonged. And this, this carried through. Like, very, very recently, I went to a conference in Washington, D.C., <laughs> Um, mostly to support a, a friend, Joy Qualls was uh, presenting her her book at this 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 place, and like one of the requirements to even be an official registrant of this conference is to have a master's degree. 
which I don't have. I don't have a master's degree. And I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I didn't fit. I felt like there was something wrong with me because I, and that I didn't have anything to contribute, that I didn't have anything to add to the conversation. I think, I think we all have felt like that. Like we, we aren't qualified. We don't belong. We, we, we aren't smart enough. We aren't strong enough. We, we don't have what it takes. We, we don't have the right pedigree. You know, it's funny, you know, growing up and going, uh, going into a, an Assemblies of God university um, and like almost everybody around you, like their family and their family's family were in ministry. My, my dad's not in ministry. He's doing something different with his life. Um, I'll tell you later. <laughs> it, it's very different. I don't know. I mean, it might be some kind of ministry. I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I didn't feel, you know, like I didn't, my dad's not a pastor. Like, you know, I, I didn't, no one knows my name in any of the circles. Like, in, in all of the places that I go, I don't have like an advantage because I, because I grew up in the, I mean, I grew up in this fellowship just as much as most of the people did, but like, but no one knows me because I, I have no background. And it's, it's easy. I think it's easy for us to count ourselves out to say, you know what? I don't fit. I don't belong. I have too much baggage. I have a story that's too dark. God can't use me. We have been studying Acts chapter 2. And, and last week we talked about, about how when God transforms our, our language, what he does is he includes everyone. He includes all of the people. Like all of the people that we wouldn't normally include, God, God includes. Like the transformation of language includes people who are far and people who are near, people who are different than us, the people who are similar to us. It includes everybody, whether we like it or not. This week, we're going to be looking at this next section of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. And raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, if you remember from last time, the, the disciples, the, the 120 that were in the upper room were all accused of being drunk. And Peter's response here is that these people are not drunk. As you su suppose, it is only nine in the morning. No, this, this thing that's happening here, this thing that you're observing is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And so then Peter begins to recite verses from Joel chapter two. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on, on which people? Just some of the people, the elite, the exclusive in crowd, the, the, the Jewish people, 
I don't know what just happened, but I don't like it. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. It doesn't say just your men folk. It doesn't say just the dudes. It says your sons and your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It doesn't just say the people who have lots of experience, the people who have it figured out, the people who know how to do it already. It says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants. It, the, the word here for servants is, is not talking about like, like somebody who is a paid servant. It's talking about slaves. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So, so God is saying, this thing that I'm doing, this outpouring of my spirit, this thing that is happening right now, this is what was talked about way back in Joel. Way back earlier in the Bible, Joel said in the last days, so what, what Luke is telling us through Peter is that this, from this moment on, this is those last days. And those last days are to be marked by removing all of the barriers for who gets to be a part of what God does. Removing all of the barriers, removing all of the things, all of the things, all of the qualifications, all of the, the things that we say, well, you can't, you can't do that. You're, you're a woman. You can't do that. You can't do that. You're not qualified. You can't do that. You, you're not, you're, you don't have a pedigree. You're not from the right background. In the, the last days, guess what, guys? That's still right now. We're still living in those last days. And these last days are still to be marked by those barriers being destroyed. Here's the thing. Peter goes on and, and continues with the, the prophecy from, from Joel. He says, I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. I mean, very recently in the, in the story, in the, in the narrative of what happens in the New Testament, some really interesting things happened Jesus was put on a cross and when he was put on a cross, the sky turned dark. Like there was an earthquake. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Like he's not saying that we have to wait for this future time. He's saying this thing that we're talking about is here right now. And he says, he goes on and he says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. I love the way that Paul kind of echoes this in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is one of the very first books that's written in the New Testament. Um, it, it happens very early on in Paul's ministry. The book of Galatians says it this way. Paul says, 
So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So everyone, if you call on the name of the Lord, I think if I shake this, it makes the screen go black. We're learning all kinds of stuff. So, so, so at the end of that passage in Joel, Joel says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and Paul echoes that. He says, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and the heirs according to the promise. I think, I think we look at our lives, we look at what's going on, we, we look at our background, our story, and we, we, we decide a lot of times that we, we don't belong. We decide that we don't belong because of the things that we've done, the things that we've experienced, the things that have happened to us. We decide that we don't belong. We decide because we've grown up in um, an environment that excludes us because of our, our gender. We, we decide that we, we don't belong because, because of a lot of different reasons. You know, I'm, I'm one of the things... I'm the most proud of when it comes to being a part of the fellowship that Reve is a part of, which is the Assemblies of God. One of the things I'm most proud of is, is the fact that from the very beginning, from the earliest days, our fellowship has acknowledged, has acknowledged that God calls everyone, men and women. And they have from the earliest days ordained men and women. Now, the challenge is that just because something is permissible doesn't mean it happens. Doesn't mean we've always done a good job. And the reality is, is that there are institutional things that are created that also make people feel like they don't belong. The interesting thing, though, is that, that the, the work of the Holy Spirit the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the, the thing that happens in the, the last days happens to all. It pours out on all. All prophesy, all dream dreams, all dream visions. All are included in the kingdom work that God has for the church. So what do we do? I think the, the, the challenge is that, that we, we all want to feel like we're a part of what God is doing. We all want to feel connected. We all want to feel like we belong. We all, we all want to feel like our contribution is worth something. The challenge is that sometimes we don't. Brene Brown says that connection is why we're here. It is what gives people purpose and meaning to their lives. The power that connection holds in our lives was confirmed when the main concern about connection emerged as the fear of disconnection. The fear that something we have done or failed to do, something about who we are or who we, where we come from has made us unlovable and unworthy of connection. 
Like, like that's, I think for all of us, that's what we are afraid of. We're afraid that our fears are true. We're afraid that the things that we've been told, the things that we've been wrestling with, the things that we've feared are true about us, that we don't belong, that we're not qualified, that God can't use us. This is what I want you to know today. You are worthy now. Not if, not when, You're worthy of loving, love and belonging now, right this minute. Like Jesus has already done it all. All of the things that are necessary for you to be accepted, for him to pour out his spirit on you, for him to to work in your life, for him to transform you, for him to use you. He's already done it right this minute, right now, as is no exceptions. So if you're here and you're, you're looking at your life and you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if God can use me. I don't know if God can use my situation. I don't know if, you know, I can break through the institutional barriers that have been put in front of me so that God can use me. You're worthy now. You are worthy now. What would happen, what would happen if we accepted that? What would happen if we chose to believe that? That that we're worthy, that God wants to do something in our lives that God wants to use us, God wants to pursue us, that God wants to have relationship with us, that we don't have to have all of the, all of the, the, the right things lined up before we can, we can start the process of pursuing what God wants us to do. What would happen if we believe that? What would change? If, if we recognize that today in these last days, the Holy Spirit is eager and waiting, and desiring to pour out his spirit, not on someone else, not on another person, on specifically you. What would change if you realize that you already belong, that, that the spirit wants to pour out on all And it doesn't matter the barriers that are put in place. The things that you have used to disqualify yourself or others have used to disqualify you. What would it change? I'm going to have Jared. There's a song I want him to roll. And and as we roll into this next part of the the service, I want to challenge you. What if you do belong already? What if you're here and God has already done all of the things necessary for you to participate in what God wants you to do?